chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I mean it's in no disrespect. Uh, but in the words of Tom Brady, that was fing awesome. <laughs> that was fing awesome. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. More importantly, happy victory Monday. We are cracking one open tonight because for the first time in the month of November. On the Monday Rewind here, the Cleveland Browns, we're going to get to talk about a Cleveland Browns victory, something that has not happened since Halloween. Since we did it, Monday Night Football against the Bengals in Halloween, the Cleveland Browns get a victory this weekend, and the Monday Rewind promises to be absolutely a blast of a show here tonight on the OBR. Speaking of all of that, uh, before we get to the guys here, Make sure you are tuned in to everything going on with the OBR, whether it's the website where you got guys like Fred and Anthony writing awesome stuff for the OBR website, uh, whether it's the streaming network where you can catch all of us, you can catch myself and Chad uh, uh, five nights a week, four nights a week, and I guess Sunday at this point during the season, all the best Browns coverage, and really just the most fun you're going to get is on the OBR every single week, almost every single day, and you'll notice, you'll notice the lid on my head there, you'll notice that lid? The OBR's got merch. Get over to the OBR website. Check out the merch. Hats, sweatshirts, t-shirts. Look at Fred's got that. Fred, Fred's got the sweatshirt looking good. I picked one of those up too. They're comfortable. They're nice. Go check out the OBR's merch as well. So this is the Monday Rewind. It's a little bit of a different cast than normal here tonight, but it promises to be an awesome show. And we've got a ton to talk about, but let's bring in the guys here first. He joins me most every uh, every Monday on the Monday Rewind, he's the legend. It's Fred Greetham. Fred, what's going on, sir? Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are Bear you? Bear with feeling? me a little bit. You know, I've I've been hacking today, but right now I'm I'm in a lull. I got cough drops handy. I got my hot herbal tea, you know, and so keeping the pipes, you know, going. So yeah, I'm ready. I'm up for it. I'm I'm questionable, but I'm I'm a gamer. I'm gonna go. Listen, I got my hot herbal tea here as well. Uh, it's going to go down real great, right. real great. Uh, yeah, thanks for gaming it through, Fred. Hopefully uh, we get you. The Browns should have had you feeling better from yesterday, and hopefully, you know, we just keep the good vibes going for you uh, to get you better. Look at the people in the comments. Want Fred to get better. Manimal wants you better, and I agree with Manimal. We got another familiar face, although we haven't seen him on the Monday Rewind in a minute because he's got a little loaf of bread uh, baby around that house, and so this is one of the rare times you'll see Anthony awake. It's Anthony Reinhardt. What's going on, Anthony? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Man, I'm great. How are you doing? It's good to have you back on the Rewind. Yep. Good good to be back. Good to be free a little bit. How's the baby? She's doing amazing. She's terrific. And dad life is treating you well? Yeah, a little tiring, but excellent. Love it. You know, we've noticed your graphs have not slipped one bit. No slippage in the graphs. Baby, not, baby's well. not going to come. Baby's not going to come between the graph master <laughs> and his craft. So it's good to have you back, Anthony. And joining us for, I think, the first time, maybe the second time. I don't know. I'm excited for this, though. You can catch this guy on our show that we do every Tuesday night at 10 or at 9 p.m. 
It's the Garage Beers Podcast. Joining me is Chad Meyer from the Garage Beers Podcast. What's going on, Chad? Oh, I got to unmute you. You're muted. Before you speak, there he is. Hey, Chad. What day is it? What I don't know. Is, is Joey going to be here? <laughs> you didn't tell me we had special guests. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, uh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Finally, uh, happy to be here on a victory. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get let's get this going. Yeah, this is this is great. We appreciate Anthony. We appreciate you jumping in. Chad, we appreciate you jumping in. Normally, Cody's here with me on Mondays, uh, but he had something come up real last minute for his real job. Ugh. Uh, and so he had to jump out. And then Fred was questionable. So I was like, you know what? I want to make sure we got a group here. And so now we got four of us. And, I'm, and it's it, this is good. Chad, you're like a fill in. Because when we did the OBR golf outing, it was me, Anthony, Fred, and Cody was the foursome. So now you're just a fill-in. Oh, God. I mean, I, I'm, sure I, uh, I'm, I'm sure I didn't fill – I won't fill any more admirably than Cody would on the golf course. That's for sure. Cody, Cody's probably a lot better than I am. I knew I was in trouble golfing with uh, Chad, guys, when he got up onto the tee of a par three and hit a wood because he doesn't have any confidence in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> go all the beautiful. way back to the blacks and take the five wood out that's right love it all right boys well listen let's get into this let's get into this victory monday celebration edition of the monday rewind because i think we're gonna i think this this whole conversation guys is gonna lead us down a path and it's gonna take us to a place that i'm not sure any of us were prepared to go before this week happened but we might get to that place uh as we as we as we make our way through this so let's start by just talking about the game for a minute Again, for the first time since Halloween, the Browns yesterday took down Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Final score, 23-17 in the waning seconds. Just when that game was starting to look like, oh my gosh, they're going to get a tie. In the waning seconds of overtime, Nick Chubb scores a touchdown and the Cleveland Browns get a victory at home. Guys, just here's what I want to know right off the bat, and we can start with you, Fred. Take the emotion out of the victory, and you're good at that because it's what you have to do all the time is take the emotion out of it. Take the emotion out of the fact that you beat Tom Brady and, and a, a Super Bowl-level defense and all that kind of stuff. How does this change the way you feel about this this Cleveland Browns team? Knowing what's coming up, how does this change the way you feel about them now as opposed to the way you felt before yesterday's game? I mean, to be honest, it doesn't really change how I felt about them. I feel like the defense has underperformed all year. I've seen them play well, and I've said on this show, I feel that it comes down to want to. Whatever that is, um, you can say scheme, you can say this, you can say that. The players have to play, and they have to be up and make the plays. And yesterday, they did, you know? And sometimes it just seems like, you know, whether it's Tom Brady bringing them out or Joe Burrow and the Bengals on Monday night football, they, they come out to play when the bright lights are shining. You know, and you think about that, when the Buccaneers took that lead 17 to 10, you probably saw the statistic floating around. When the Browns are down in the fourth quarter by seven or more, they were 0-73-1. And, and believe me, I've watched every one of those games <laughs> and I've covered every one of them. So I knew what was happening. And then lo and behold, they stopped the Buccaneers seven straight times to finish the game. And meanwhile, the defense or the offense, which had been going down, then after eight straight, you know, non-scores, then suck, 
sucked it up, got a touchdown to tie and a touchdown to win. I mean, I've seen it all, but your big time players that you paid a lot of money for once all stepped up and played well together. Yeah. Okay. So doesn't, I like the way you phrase that though, Fred, because it's not that you put a negative spin on it. It was, you felt like this is a team that could kind of play this way all season long and they finally put it together. How about you, Chad? Does this change the way you felt that you feel about this team moving forward as opposed to how you felt through the first 10 weeks? Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Fred. It doesn't change the way I feel about this team because, you know, it's the model of this year's team has been inconsistency. So, I mean, they're going to have to string together a couple of these performances, uh, string together a couple of these performances back to back for me to have any belief that they're trending in the right direction. Uh, but I will say, the, but talking about the game yesterday, though, uh, this is the type of win that we kind of expected from this Browns team all year. Just a, a grinded out type of game. The defense was uh, going to kind of have to uh, keep the keep this team in games, and then the offense was going to have to grind out a win. And that's exactly <laughs> what they, that's kind of exactly what they did yesterday, guys. I mean, uh, you know, you stopped Tom Brady, like Fred said, seven different times, and the Buccaneers' offense seven different times, but. The offense couldn't really get much going uh, until the very end of the game, until Njoku comes up with that clutch catch. So, yeah, I mean, this was this was the type of win that we kind of all expected from the Browns all year uh, until Watson was supposed to come back. I don't. Yeah, that's such a good point. And, and Anthony, I want to hear your thoughts on it, too. I don't know how to explain it, though, because I feel like all of us that take our time to, like, think about this stuff and really try to put some thought into the team and football and all that stuff. All it does is confuse me because this is, Chad, you just said it best. What we saw from the Browns yesterday is kind of what we expected out of this team. I think the offense was probably a little better yesterday than what we even thought the offense would ever be for the Cleveland Browns uh, without Deshaun Watson. But defense leading the team to a win and the offense just being kind of opportunistic and getting points when they can and that's kind of what we thought, and we never saw that until now. It, is it is it something where this team, Anthony, do you think this team can build on this? Defensively, offensively, do you think the team can build on this, or is this going to turn out to be one of those things where they get smashed by Houston next week, and it's like, oh, that's not where the Browns are. Well, well let's not go crazy. I don't I don't think anybody needs to be talking about losing to, to the Houston Texans anytime, anytime soon. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, I, th I think Chad really hit the nail on the head where it's like, these, this is kind of how you thought this team would play without an elite quarterback. Um, you know, subpar run defense, good pass defense, good running game on offense, you know, kind of iffy passing game on offense, um, but, but gets the job done um, in kind of a, a low scoring close game. So it's like, I think I would have expected to see maybe five of these out of the 11 games that Brissett started, but um, you know, in reality, we probably saw one or two of these. Yeah, well, that that is a bummer because it, it does. I can't help but make it feel like uh, maybe it's because it's the way I thought the team was going to perform coming into the year. But I can't help but feel in my in my heart right now that this is what the team should look like. And so moving forward, I don't I'm going to have a hard time disconnecting from that and being like, well, that's not what they have looked like, though. This is what the defense should look like. The offense was doing their thing. They, the run game got going against a really good defense. This is what this team was supposed to look like, and I feel like it's going to drive me forward going like, all right, that's what we should expect every week. We'll get to every week. Uh, but 
I do want to spend a little time, guys, talking about a guy that should go down, not as any kind of crazy hero, but certainly a guy that should go down in Cleveland Browns lore as as some level of a favorite in the way a guy like maybe Josh McCown goes down as a favorite uh, with the Cleveland Browns. I want to talk a little bit about Jacoby Brissett and what he did and the way Jacoby Brissett stepped in. And Fred, I'll let you start again. The way Jacoby Brissett stepped in when he knew the situation, he knew he was the backup here. And he knew when Deshaun Watson came back, didn't matter what he did, this job was not going to be his. And he never one time, never one time did anything but give it 150%. Wasn't always great. Wasn't always pretty. He didn't play a lot of uh, spectacular football. But in the end, we're talking about a guy that was putting up numbers that are pretty close to top 10 level numbers in the NFL. Uh, knowing that the bench was calling his name as it went. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what it's been like being in the locker room, being at practice, being around Jacoby Brissett, uh, and what makes that guy what makes that guy special? Well, yeah, after the game in the locker room, a couple of the players said that he was the best quarterback, they had, best teammate they had ever played with. Now, obviously, they hadn't played with Watson yet. But when he was told that, he said, was one of them Anthony Walker? <laughs> and he said, no. He said, well, that's three that it, they're on my side. So, no, he is. He's a great guy. And he did everything that, that I could have imagined that he would do. You know, he he played better than Baker Mayfield did last year. And he gave the Browns a chance week in, week, week out. And the reason in their four and seven is not because of Brissett. Here and there, he cost them. But for the most part, it was the defense. Couldn't stop the opponent. And I think he really put a lot of zeros at the end of his contract for next year. You know, there's going to be some team that's going to be looking for a bridge starter, maybe somebody that they, you know, draft that isn't ready to start, or maybe even if they can't get the quarterback they want, he could step in because you see that every year with teams, they're all struggling to find. That's why so many people were going after Deshaun Watson. That's a, that is such a good point. That's a great point. Uh, Anthony, talk about that a little bit. What did for future reference for a team that's going to be looking for a quarterback, what did Jacoby Brissett show? And if you were a team that's going to be out there and there's going to be a handful of them looking for a quarterback, what confidence level do you have that he can come in and play exactly the way he did here in Cleveland, if not a little better, to help lead your team to to wins? Well, I think that, you know, it, it's helpful to remember that the Browns run, I, I think, an offense that makes it easy for, for decent quarterbacks that are are careful and well-coached to, to be successful. So I think Brissett definitely showed that he's, you know, kind of a um, – a plus thinker out on the field that he doesn't make mistakes. And I don't think that's going to be news to anybody who watched him play uh, in Indianapolis or the little bit that he played in Miami. But, um, you know, I, I think that it's going to be, I, I think Fred, you know, is probably had said it best when he said he's, he's probably a bridge starter for a lot of teams. I think at this point in his career, I don't think he's going to surprise anybody by, um, you know, being like a, a real starter on like a playoff team that isn't like already kind of built up for him. 
Um, so I'm curious if, you know, another wide zone type team that, that needs a starter kind of scoops him up. But as I'm thinking about it, a lot of those teams are already um, pretty squared away. I don't know if the 49ers will move on from, from uh, Garoppolo or anything after this offseason. Who knows? But, um, you know, they might be a fit if they're sick of Trey Lance. Chad, man, you know, again, we're just kind of waxing poetic and, and you saw the emotion uh, by Jacoby Brissett. And we, I, th- I think Ian played it. We can't see what Ian did at the beginning of the show, but I think Ian played his, his uh, post-game press conference yesterday where he quoted Tom Brady about, it was just effing awesome. And the dude was, the dude was like overly polite to the core. He had to make sure he, people knew he wasn't being disrespectful when he said the F word. He, he wasn't being disrespectful, but then he went ahead and said it. Um, Man, what like I, I the fan base is gonna get there's gonna be a lot of conversation. I don't think they're realistic conversations because I think he's earned money. There's a lot of people that are gonna be really upset to see him go, though, right? Like he's like the ideal backup quarterback. Oh, oh my god. With the way this fan base uh, goes here, Mike, uh, the the first time Desha- Deshaun Watson plays ugly, and he's probably gonna play ugly for a little bit in this Houston Texans game. You know, the first sign of inconsistency <laughs> or bad play, people are gonna be calling for Jacoby just because of how well he's played through these first eleven games of the season. Look, you know, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, all you've heard is what what a leader he is. What you know, the best teammate that he that you know that that we've ever had. I mean. Jesus, I mean, you see him up there in the press conferences and he looks like he doesn't even get out of his PJs. Like he's just like, he's just like a Cleveland guy. Like he just comes to work. I mean, as cliche as it is, he's just kind of a lunch pail guy. And yeah, it's, I, I think, you know, when you're that type of player, uh, you when you just kind of keep your mouth shut and work and, and play well, that's the type of player that this city loves. And that's exactly why people are going to be sad to see Jacoby go. Uh, to the bench and elsewhere after this year, just because of how hard he played and how well he played. Yeah. I mean, there was a game or two where he didn't probably play as well. And you could point to him as a reason why, why this team lost games. But for the most part, uh, he didn't, for the most part, he didn't look like a bridge starter. Like that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's in part, you know, due to the system, like Anthony said, but I, but you still have to play well. Even if the system suits you, you still have to play well. You still have to make good decisions with the football. And for the most part, Jacoby did. So, yeah, you, you could definitely see why Jacoby uh, is, a, is a fan favorite right now. Guys, I had worst case scenario. As you, got, as you were talking, Anthony, all I could think was worst case scenario. I'm like, well, man, Pittsburgh's got some pieces. <laughs> they got a really bad quarterback situation. Like, no, I don't want to hate him. I don't want to hate him next year. Jacoby, wherever you choose to go, man, we appreciate and we love what you did here in Cleveland. Please get the hell out of the division, though. Like anywhere else, anywhere else. <laughs> Just don't go to Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, uh, listen, listen, Lamar, 250 mil isn't going to cut it. We're going to go assign Jacoby. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, only because I don't want to ever root against him ever again, uh, ever. Uh, so let's talk about that, what, what Jacoby Brissett did in this game. And Fred alluded to it earlier. Jacoby Brissett with the Cleveland Browns trailing by seven points to, again, a really, really, really good defense. Jacoby Brissett did something that we are so, we, we are so unaccustomed to seeing a Cleveland Browns quarterback do, which is he led the team down the field for a game-tying touchdown to get the thing to overtime. We saw it. We've seen it countless times 
We've seen it with Brissett this year. We saw it with Baker. We've seen it with guys forever before Baker. The Browns have the ball in their hands at the end of the game. All likelihood, they're not going down to do anything to tie or win the game. And J- Jacoby Brissett in his last game did that. I want to, I do want to, before we even talk about this, I, Ian's got some clips pulled up in the background. And Ian, why don't you just, let's just play the clip that should get everybody fired up. That fourth down play with 30 seconds left in the game. Why don't, why don't you play that clip for us, Ian? Two to the right from the 12, back to pass. Here's Percent looking, firing, end zone. Oh, what a catch by Njoku! Touchdown! What a catch by the Chief! A touchdown! He put it up where only the Chief could get it, and he went up with one hand, only his left hand with the defender draped on him, and stared it in. What a catch by the Chief when you needed it the most. Oh, my goodness, Jim. What? Play. On fourth down with 32 seconds left to go, Hurricane, your kick away from tying the game at 17. Let's go. I'm up walking around. I can't even handle it. Can you believe they did that? Can you believe what David Njoku did on that catch? Boys, Jacoby Brissett, man, there's some stuff. There's some comments that I don't think I'm going to put on the screen, but there's some really good comments going. Uh, What they did at the end of that game, Fred, go back to you. You talked about having to watch those, you know, 75 or whatever it was times where they just completely failed uh, to do what they did yesterday. How stunning was that for you to watch when, when David Njoku on fourth down with, with under 40 seconds to go in the game goes up and just nabs that ball with one hand. Jacoby puts it in the only spot he can get it. Uh, and they come down and they tie that game. Yeah, I mean, and the cynic told me that Cade York's going to miss the extra point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they know. lose the game. I wanted him to go for two because <laughs> I figure you lose the toss, and Tom Brady, you never see the ball, and it all goes for naught. But, you know, being a writer, I'm writing notes the whole time. I was ready to kind of rip on him because he killed a drive early in the game when he just – he looked downfield and dropped the ball on an easy, you know, first or second down five yard gain. And then he caught a pass. And instead of reaching out to get the first down, he just went out of bounds. And you remember they ended up challenging it and they didn't get it and they ended up punting. And so I was like, come on, man. But that's what he does. I watch him in practice. He spends a lot of time on the jugs machine trying to be Odell Beckham. And, and then he makes them unbelievable catches in practice. And I'm glad to see it translate to the game. But that's what you paid him that money for. Kind of on potential because we always knew he had something in him. But he really had been underperforming, it seemed like, since he's been here. So, yeah, it was just one of those surreal moments that you expect something to go awry. You know, you look for a flag. Is there a holding penalty? You know, what, what can go wrong? But, yeah, and if you'd have told me Tom Brady would get the ball back with 30 seconds to go and two times in overtime and you would hold him without a score and still get the win, I would have said you're crazy. So, yeah, it was kind of storybook. Chad, can you explain to me what what the hell was Tampa doing with 30 seconds left and all their timeouts and they just ran the clock out? 
and 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 then they they run the they don't take it they run a play they don't take a timeout they let the clock run down they run another play that gets all the way out to midfield and it's like oh boy here we go and they just run the clock they just don't it's like they didn't it's like they didn't try what were they doing Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Are you muted or are Easy. you? Uh, oh, there it Todd is. Todd Bowles oh. uh, sucks as a head coach. That's that's your yeah. that's the final it, take there. Todd Bowles sucks as a head coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's he was just too conservative. I mean, I think he forgot who his quarterback was. I mean, he you have the one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, uh, and you you. You went conservative. I mean, you got you waited to take a timeout till you had eight seconds left on the clock. You know, you had plenty of time to get within field goal range. And it was, it was, there was, I think it was, I can't remember exactly when, but I know for a fact there were two or three other times where he just played, he just played it close to the vest. You know, like the one time uh, he made Tom Brady take a, a delay a game and then punted yes. away there. But Tampa Bay had slipped Tampa Tampa Bay had plenty of chances to put this game away and and they just didn't. Todd Bowles just decided to play the field position game. And, and, and it was because of that conservative uh, coaching style. That's why he, uh, it's, it's, it's a reason why they lost the game. Anthony, go back to David Njoku for a minute as we just, I can't, I can just, I, this, this picture on the screen right now could just, it, I, it could replace my kids as like my background on my computer. That just, that's, it could, I, I might just replace. Let's talk a little bit about though, the lull that everything went through when David Njoku went out and they missed him for those injuries and what that offense looked like with David Njoku in that offense. Do we maybe undersell a little bit how important David Njoku is to the offense? Yeah, I think especially this year, he's been basically an every down player, which is pretty rare for tight ends. You you probably only have 10 guys in the whole league that are playing, you know, 90% of the snaps like he was doing um at, at, through the start of this year and he's still kind of working back from that I mean he was he was a leading skill position player for the Browns and snaps I think in their first uh seven or eight games however many he played before he before he went out but um you know as far as somebody who's participating in all aspects of the game which is not as easy to evaluate I think as receiving yards which he's doing fine in um so I, I think he's you know Titans are a huge part of the Browns scheme and um, the, the fact that they have him as an anchor for that room is huge. Um, they probably, you know, could stand to go and get somebody else to, to also help out um, and, and kind of push Harrison Bryant back to being the third tight end again. He's, he's been huge for this team this year. Chad, I know you don't have very long left with us. Uh, Chad said he could step in for about a half hour to start the show. That's, that's awesome. I do want to know this, though, Chad. Where do you rank this catch? Yeah. Where do you rank? Where do you rank? Like that catch should be ranked amongst like a lot of the all-time catches, right? Like for the, not just the one-handed nature of the catch, but where it was, when it was fourth down against Tom Brady, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and when the Browns needed it so bad, 
that's got to rank pretty high up there, uh, doesn't it? I mean, as far as the franchise goes, I mean, I think it's at least top five. I, I can't remember such a, a, a big time clutch playmaking catch like that as far as from a difficulty standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's got to be in, in, in the top five from a franchise standpoint. It's definitely in the top five catches of the year so far. Well, top 10. We'll go top 10. I, I, I got to admit, I haven't seen every play. But yeah, I, w- I would rank it way, way up there from for, purely from a uh, difficulty standpoint and a situation standpoint with how clutch it was. So yeah, I, I, it is definitely way up there. And this and this picture has already replaced the background of my kids on my phone. So Chad's actually kicked the kids out of the house at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's a room, David, for you uh, over on the east side of Cleveland. There's a room for you at Chad's house. If you need a place to stay. Come on over, pal. Come on over. <laughs> All right, Chad. I know you got to get to the family. You got to go hang out. I want to make sure you get to do that. So thank you for jumping on with us right. early uh, for this one. Yep. And uh, don't miss Chad Meyer with me tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Garage Beers podcast. We got so much to talk about. We got Browns to talk about. We got the game to talk about. Michigan, Ohio State. That's not as fun. We got Cavs to talk about. All that other stuff. Yeah. So catch Chad uh, tomorrow with me on Garage Beers. And go follow him on Twitter at Garage Beers Chad. Thanks, Chad, for jumping on. All right, boys. See ya. See ya. All right. So shout out to Chad again. I wasn't sure uh, if it seems a little thrown together. I wasn't sure, you know, like I said, with Cody being out kind of last minute. Fred, man, questionable. Look at you gaming right through this episode. I appreciate you for that. I was like, let's just get some people in here. So Chad jumped in. We appreciate him for that. Uh, Guys, let's go back. I want to go to a comment that came in. And Fred, I want to know if you... uh, uh, were, were you down there yesterday, Fred? Like, were you working? I don't know if you were too sick to be working. So I, were you down there? Oh yeah. I was down there from nine to nine, you know, typical day. That's, that's where I got sick. I'm sure that's that, great. that again, I'm going to throw my grandkids under the bus. I had them all here and they're all had snotty noses and they're hanging all over them. What are you going to do? You know, you got to hang on to them, but no, it's yeah. I was there the whole time. I went to the locker room and, talk to the players and that's what makes it a long day trying to digest a lot of things happening i mean i had that thing written like i said i've seen it so many times then the whole scripts changed and it was it's always you know you're just a writer reporter covering the game but you do take joy you know in writing fun stuff because you're thinking nobody wants to read about getting beat again and and so you want people to be interested in in the team and and reading what you're doing so yeah I was there it was it was a great atmosphere but I think there was a lot of disbelief press box is not fans you know it's stoic you know there's really no no noise or anything you know you could have Najoku's play there was you know you're like okay everybody looking at the tv to see the replay you know that's about it but you know it was we haven't had those opportunities and you talk about I would say Brissett this season it's only 11 games but up until that I would say Baker Mayfield's 2020 season was the best year of a quarterback since they returned and I don't know I still think Mayfield's year was better than this but but his play you know this year has been you know outstanding but there is a difference between him and an elite quarterback. And if you get the Deshaun Watson, that's an elite quarterback, you're going to see a difference. He's not going to make that mistake that cost you the game. He's going to make the play to win the game like you saw. We haven't seen that 
that was the biggest problem I had with Mayfield. He could really never take the team down to win the game. He had six opportunities in 2021. The last time you could remember was that Bengals game when he threw it to Peoples-Jones. And yet, Brissett did it yesterday. But I think that's the hope with Watson, that he can not be a savior, but he can do that much more you know, on a consistent basis when you need a play made. Anthony, you're you're one of our biggest biggest uh, analytics guys. You're the graph master, so I want to I want to throw this next question over to you, buddy. And this is a special tailor made for you, Anthony. I'm ready for it. Cleveland Browns are four and zero when Nick Chubb touches the ball more than twenty times in a game. Are they not? And Nick Chubb touched the ball more than twenty times in the game, which included. And I do want to. I'm I'm asking this in somewhat jest. Although at some point numbers, oh, at, at some point numbers start to tell a story. Uh, I, I do. I bring it up because I think we also talk about. You know, Fred, you brought up. Fred brought up the the overtime period. Tampa Bay got the ball to start overtime. That's Tom Brady in overtime. I don't think anybody in Cleveland thought that was going to go that way, and the Cleveland Browns defense just stopped them, stopped them, stopped them, and Tom Brady and the and the Buccaneers never got close. And the Browns put it on a couple big plays passing. And they put it on Nick Chubb, made a couple big runs in overtime. And they won the game. So, so Anthony, at what point analytically do you look at this thing and go, oh, you can't say 20-plus handoffs uh, equals wins, blah, blah, blah. At what point do the numbers go, well, maybe you can? Yeah, so I want I- – I can say this because there's not a lot of analytics people listening, but uh, <laughs> the, the Browns are better. They are right now better running the ball more often than passing it, which is what they've been doing. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the five most run heavy teams in the league when we adjust for situation. So they are, they're giving it to Nick Chubb plenty. I think it, it bothers me when people say they're not, it, it bothers me if people say the Browns are running the ball too much. Um, it it does. It, I think there is some there's some truth to the fact that they may not run it with Nick Chubb enough. Um, you, you know, I, I think Kareem Hunt still gets a lot of snaps and a lot of carries. He's not really looked like himself this year. I think that that you can. Um, I think you can make a good case for Nick Chubb getting the ball more. I don't think that obviously there's no there's no magic number where you give it. You give it to him 20 times on the 20th carry, uh, you pack up the ball and go home because you won. You, you, don't, you don't get an automatic win. But, um, you know, it, the, the, the analytics do support, if we, if we look at expected points added per play, which I think is the best efficiency metric that, that you can have for football, um, the Browns have a better expected points added per play when they run the ball. The only thing is they're elite at running the ball and they're average at passing it. So this is, this is pretty unusual. And in a world where you get Deshaun Watson back, you're not going to want to give it to Nick Chubb quite so much. I think fans are going to have to adjust their mindset uh, whenever the Browns start passing the ball well. I think, and again, I, I asked the question because I, they, they kept talking about it on the broadcast. And knowing you guys, and knowing, listen, you thought not a lot of analytics people. The, the whole comment section blew up when I brought up the stat. Uh, so listen, they're all here. Uh, I asked the question, only because I think the one thing that doesn't play into it and the, and the one thing that you do wish a little bit, take other games where they have not run the ball effectively, the last couple of games, really, that they haven't run the ball effectively. You also just have to take into account, I think sometimes, 
that, that no, the equation for winning football games isn't just hand the ball to Nick Chubb 20 times and win football, even though it's kind of what the stat. Uh, but, <laughs> but the reason I think people, and again, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent either way there, but I think the reason people yell it and yell it and yell it is because Nick Chubb is that guy that you can give him the ball 14 times for 19 yards. And if you would give him the ball that 15th time, there's a chance he's going to have 79 yards at the end of that run. You know what I mean? Like he is that guy and he is that special. And so I think it does become a little bit frustrating, especially in games where they're not running the ball. Well, he's that guy that on two runs can all of a sudden make it look like they've had a tremendous running day. And, and he is that special. And I think there's an element of that that doesn't get talked about enough in the conversation is just how special he is as a running back, even in games when he's not great. I think he's still giving the ball. Yeah. And I, I will, I, well, I always acknowledge how great Nick Chubb is probably the best running back in the NFL right now. I, I don't think that Derrick Henry is running the ball the way Nick Chubb is right now. I don't, I can't really think of anybody. I mean, Josh Jacobs looks good now, but he's looked so bad before. Um, he looked good I would feel well. comfortable saying yes, that, that Nick Chubb is the best, the best running back in the NFL right now. But also, it's <laughs> Jacoby gets a pancake. But re- I mean, really, I think you always have to give a lot of credit to the way that the Browns block up the run game. I mean, so many times I feel like every week we see a run where Nick Chubb gets 10 yards before he gets touched. And it's because you got a pulling guard that just flattens somebody or a quarterback who who, who pushes somebody down on a, on a reverse. Uh, Anthony, I have one more analytics question before I get to the next thing for you, Fred. Uh, Anthony, uh, analytically, the Browns are undefeated when a skunk is in the stadium. So thoughts on the rally skunk? Rally it up, baby. Bring bring that skunk back. <laughs> Leave the door open. Just don't let the cars in. Was the skunk okay? Because, like, I didn't see anybody, like, I would have been running from that thing. I, I My dogs have gotten skunked several times. I want no part of a skunk. Everybody just kind of welcomed that thing in, and they were just hanging out. Fred, did you notice the commotion when it was happening? Oh, Fred's muted. Hold on. Sorry. That's my fault, Fred. There we go. One of the colleagues was doing the social media on it, but I didn't really even know it till I saw a comment about it. I don't even know what section where that was from where I was. But, yeah, I was thinking they should have got that possum together and they could have, you know, maybe had something there. But it works, so stay with it. Let's just let's just inbreed some skunks and possums and see what happens. You know, I had a thought, I'll say, throw this out there a little, you know, I, they, they showed, they started taking the tarp off the field and you could see the, you know, you could see the, the turf marks and we were all trying to investigate. Was it a pickup truck? Was it a gator? Was it tractor? What was it? You know, and what (laughs) dawned in my head, that would have been the greatest ending to at home with Baker Mayfield. To have him turfing oh the field God. as he's packing up and getting kicked out of there, you know, I don't know why nobody thought of that. You know, get that video and and uh, and put his face and head on there. I think that would have been a great, you know, uh, ending to the at home with Baker Mayfield. You know, a moving company, you're gone. I'm turfing the field. I want to talk uh, real quick, guys. I want to talk about and Fred. I want your thoughts because you were down there. Uh, uh, let's see where the comment was. Seven twenty-four. Oh, Scooter Thomas talked about Najoku's interview that he did out on the field after the game. If you didn't see it, it's great. We don't have a clip of it, but he was down talking to an on-field reporter, 
and they they asked him something to the effect of you know what does this mean for your team and and how, you know how do can you guys move forward from this blah blah and he just cut off the reporter and just started saying you know like we're not we're not done we're not done like i just want to say we're not done and he got real amped up and real pumped up this team seemed real amped up and real pumped up after this game and you could see it offensively obviously you knew what this meant for jacoby Brissett and what it meant for the team that loves him you can see it with the defense and how well they played we've got a clip of some of the defensive players coming in from after the game and and just to give you a vibe of what that locker room was like ian if you got that clip they didn't believe in us but God did. Oh, look at, look at what it is. Guys, that Fred, well, you know, I think a lot of us are going to always talk about that David Njoku catch. I think a lot of us are always going to talk about that Amari Cooper catch in overtime where, thank God, he didn't hit one of those tread marks as he was running down the field. Uh, the, the obviously beating Tom Brady in overtime and all that stuff. That's a defensive unit that you could tell how much they needed that win. Right. Fred, like that, you could probably feel it in the locker room after the game. Those guys needed a performance like that. Didn't they? Yeah. From the top down, Joe Woods was really feeling the heat and the players, you know, all the way around and rightly so. And, you know, everybody asked me what was different. And I just said, it comes down, I think to want to, because I've seen them do it. How can you explain that you can control Tom Brady and the running game? Other than that 35-yard run, they bottled up the running game. And, you know, it's just, they just, you know, whatever. You know, I, I don't think John Johnson should have said it, but he said on radio last week that they were all looking forward. They were going to even get a little more excited to get, you know, Watson back in there. They know what they have here. These guys, some of them, Clowney came back because of that and they know they could put up 40 points a game on offense and it's going to make the offense or the defense's job easier. So I wrote a story. It's on the website about those post game comments that there were six, seven guys I talked to all said, they think that win combined with Watson returning can really propel them for the rest of the season. And we'll see, but you know, if you can use anything, you know, to motivate you, you know, that that can go a long way. All right. Warpath is on the Warpath in the comments. And Anthony, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I've got thoughts on this, too. Someone needs to remind Clowney that Taven Bryan has more sacks than he does. And then Warpath keeps going. I'm just saying we know you were just saying it's honestly embarrassing. <laughs> All in separate texts. I like that we're doing this in chunks. Uh, OK, thoughts on that. Has this been a uh, outside of outside of injuries? Has this been a disastrous year for Jadavion Clowney, or is he playing kind of the way you expect him to play? I think disastrous is a little. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. It's been a. I think a disappointing season, um, and it's been a disappointing season for a lot of the Browns' defense. So I think he kind of gets away with it. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't. Like you said, hasn't been a disaster. But um, you know, for the for the price tag that that they pay for somebody like that on on a short term deal, you hope you hope you'll get more from him. Um, but the flip side is they really didn't have great options otherwise. I mean, if it's not him, it's Alex Wright playing every snap. And that's probably what happens, really. And we haven't seen a ton from him this year. I mean, he's he's a rookie, but, um, you know, they, they don't have other options. So uh, 
he hasn't hasn't been the worst that you could possibly be, but you know, you just you hope you get more from guys like him. I think if you're here's all I'm gonna say because you brought up sacks. Uh you brought up sacks in the comments, Warpath. If you're basic, if you're judging Jadavian Clowney by number of sacks, then you're not judging the correct player because nothing about this dude's career has ever shown you that he's going to be a top level sacks guy. He's not a top level sacks guy. He never has been a top level sacks guy outside of maybe random times during his career. But what he is, is ahead right here. Kevin Cycle says it. And I hope Miles Garrett continues to learn from it. Jadavian Clowney is one of the best defensive ends one of the best edge rushers at holding an edge in the nfl teams don't like to run at jadevian Clowney because it usually winds up with bad things happening on his side of the field he holds the edge he makes smart plays these guys have, he's got a bunch of batted down balls and no he doesn't have the sack numbers he doesn't and i wish i wish he did have more sack numbers i wish he had uh, you know a better <coughs> consistent rate of getting to the quarterback but I think I think Jadavion, when he's been out there, is a I think he makes a difference. I think that defense plays differently with him on the field. Yeah, and I, it reminds me of something I wrote last week, Mike, about you know the, the few Browns defenders that have positive, uh, that have above average pro football focus ratings in the run defense. Um, Clowney's one of the only players that's up there. It's Alusu Cormoa, Clowney, Delpit, um, Miles, and and that's pretty much it. That it has even a, an above average. Uh, run defense rating so it it's it's really been a problem for stopping the run for a lot of those guys it helps to have at least two guys on the edges um that, that can kind of can kind of funnel the run toward the guys who can't stop anything and listen Taven Bryan's okay at getting to the quarterback but there's other things he's got to get much much better at if he's going to be a starting caliber defensive tackle in the NFL he's going to get way better at other things other than getting to the quarterback anyways uh guys I do want to play I want to send us off because I want to talk a little bit about next week and the impending new franchise quarterback coming in and all that. But I want to send us off of this week with good vibes because I don't want to, I maybe never want to stop talking about this week. I maybe want to do this week again on the Monday rewind next week, depending on how that game's go, game, game goes. But let's, let's take a look inside the locker room. Kevin Stefanski and his game ball presentation uh, to the guy that, uh, again, uh, did such an admirable, admirable job, Jacoby Brissett. I'm going to give a game ball to a man that I believe is a great teammate, okay? I believe the way this man leads makes him a great teammate because he believes in one thing above all. He believes in this locker room. He believes in this team. And I appreciate number seven for everything he's done. We broke it down on family. It's always been about the family. Family on three. One, two, three. I'm, I'm leaving this game with that. Uh, there's nothing I have to ask about that. There's no questions or comments, but I can tell you what. You could tell how much that man meant to that locker room and what he did to lead them in a time of personal difficulty, meaning knowing that, that you're, you could go out there and throw 30 touchdowns and the Browns are putting Deshaun Watson in when he gets back. And you know that's going to happen. What he did and what he laid out there, he deserved that game ball. And the fact that the Cleveland Browns sent him off with a win – absolutely storybook writing out there and i love that so yeah super surge says the best in the comments we'll always have love for jacoby when you look at the browns quarterback jersey that that one guy does and all the quarterbacks are on the jersey and now the thing is like eight feet tall there's a couple of those guys on there that need to be circled with love jacoby jacoby Brissett is one of those guys shout out to him
Guys, let's talk about coming up. This Sunday, the Browns now sit at four and seven. They're approaching a much easier portion of the schedule. When you looked at games last night, talking about uh, uh, the Sunday night football game, they were showing standings. They were showing teams in the hunt. They had other four and seven teams in the hunt, but for some reason the Browns weren't in there, but we'll see what happens there. This is a division that isn't quite running away from the Browns. The Baltimore Ravens lose to Jacksonville yesterday. Uh, you still have games with Baltimore, with Pittsburgh, with Cincinnati left. You got all this stuff in front of you. And I know they're four and seven. And I know it's not just going to be the quarterback that leads them. But you're going to throw Deshaun Watson into the mix. And we can talk a lot about how Jacoby Brissett did not lose you football games because he didn't do a lot to lose you any football games. Maybe one or two where he was rough. But now you got a guy in there that you expect to go out there and win you football games. Fred, that's a big difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing that's a little unfair is he hasn't played in 700 days, almost two years. And you can't expect him to just walk on the field and be sharp. But... He's going into a hostile environment where he was, and he's going to have the venom going crazy. But we're going to find out right away, you know, how he handles it. And I think he'll do fine. It, I think this is a game that will allow him to play himself kind of into rhythm because the Texans are not the best team. And so he might be rough, but I think he'll he'll get it going at some point. And even if he's not at the top of his game, they still have that running game. And when you have, you know, the threat of Watson taking off and running, they got to worry about Nick Chubb and all those weapons. And so that's why I just think that, you know, that'll make it all the more. But I think that it will be tough to say he's going to go 6-0. and And that's almost what you feel like they have to do to yep. get to 10 wins. And there's not much margin of error, you know, you could stumble at Houston and the season's over. And so there you go. But I think, I think four and two or five and one would be great. I think more than anything, you want to get a taste. So as this season goes on, win, lose or draw playoffs or not, you want to feel this team is on their way offensively and they're going to be able to put up 40 points a game. And now, because we saw the defense is what it is, they can go out and fix it and overhaul what needs to be fixed, you know, in the offseason. And so I just think that there's a lot to play for when playoffs are not. But I expect them to play well, to be honest with you. Anthony, I got a question for you. But we've had for a minute here in the comments, we've had some elite level baseball comments. And I want to throw these out because best Jacoby in Cleveland since Brooks Jacoby. Second baseman next to Felix Fermin for the old mid-80s, late-80s Cleveland Indians? We got Brooks Jacoby. Dude was clutch with the bases. These people know they're Brooks Jacoby. I love this one. Jacoby Carter and Snyder. Add Julio Franco into that mix. Alex Carter in center field. They had some teams back there that that lost 100 games. Uh, if you'll remember, the Indians were on Sports Illustrated. What was that, 87, 86, 87 on a warpath? Sports yep, Illustrated, Sports picked, Illustrated them, jinx. picked them to win the World Series, and then they lost more games than every other team in baseball. So that was yeah. that was a rough one. Uh, Joe, Joe Carter, my favorite player of all time. Anyways, uh, here's what I want to know, Anthony. They talked about it, and and it's and it's astute. 
in the broadcast yesterday, which, by the way, Jonathan Vilma's really good in the broadcast booth. I, I want to point that out. He was really great to listen to. They talked about a lot of the, 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 the Cleveland Browns come out. That opening drive is elite. Every week, it's elite. Every week, they just pound, boom, down the field, touchdown, easy. They make it look easy. And then the Cleveland Browns have gone 40 minutes, 44 minutes, 50 minutes. What was it, like 56 minutes yesterday without scoring touchdowns? So now listen, we've talked about how admirably Jacoby Brissett has played, but there have been plenty of times where he's showed you that he has been a backup for a lot of his career for a reason. And I don't want to turn this into a Jacoby Brissett thing, but I do want to turn this into a Deshaun Watson thing. How does Deshaun Watson come in? And do you think he comes in and and changes that about this Cleveland Browns offense? Because offensively, we've talked a lot, Anthony, about where they rank and how good they've been in their EPA and all that stuff, how many points they've scored. And they do rank really favorably amongst the NFL, but they are going for these crazy stretches without scoring. And they only score at the beginning and end of games. How's Deshaun Watson going to help them fix that? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. So, um, you know, my this is just a hypothesis. I just kind of, kind of working around with it, but I think that um, <laughs> generally speaking, what I've heard is is, is coaches script about the first fifteen plays that are are kind of neutral, um, and then kind of go from there. My theory is that um, you know the 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 offensive coordinator, play caller, head coach, whatever, is more responsible for those fifteen plays than they are for the 50 that follow um, and, and the 50 that follow, it's more about, you know, what do they say? Jimmy's and Joe's the X's and O's. Um, so I, I think when you have somebody like Watson, who's a little bit more versatile than Brissett, um, a real threat to run the ball, especially scrambling, not to say Brissett's a bad scrambler, but um, Watson is an elite one. Uh, I, I think <laughs> kind of open up uh, a, a lot more possibilities when you have somebody like him. And, and I think that's going to help when you get out of these scripted plays that, that Stefanski is, is so excellent at, at putting together. As I've muted myself, uh, Fred, what is, what is Jaco- or what is uh, Deshaun Watson's presence do to a defense? Like if you're the Houston Texans coming in and we've seen it this year, defenses have nine guys regularly, nine guys in the box against the Browns. And again, the Browns passing offense has been okay. But these teams are regularly just chucking as many dudes as possible into the box and saying, you're not, Nick Chubb is not beating us. Kareem Hunt is not going to get going in this game. You're not going to run the ball against us. Now you throw Deshaun Watson back there as a quarterback. What, is, what does that do for the run game? What does that do for the overall offense here for the Browns? Well, I think Wyatt Teller said it after the game yesterday. He said something about good luck if teams decide to put eight, nine in the box against us with Deshaun Watson, because then you have the Lamar Jackson effect that this guy can run and, but he can throw, he can throw really accurately and that dual threat. And I just think that unless they get off what they do best, I think that that would be the biggest thing for Stefanski, make sure that they have it all fit, you know, together. But I just think there's so many possibilities because they cannot, they did that with Baker. They took away the run and you, you try to do that Watson on a, on a run pass option. I think you're going to have guys that you don't think are very good wide receivers. All of a sudden go, that guy's pretty good because he's going to throw them open. And I've just seen him practice it back in training camp. 
I haven't seen a quarterback like that in training camp, you know, that I've watched teams and I'm not trying to overblow it. I'm just saying he's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. And I just think, you know, unless, unless he forgets everything that the athleticism is just going to come out. Anthony with, with an elite, with an elite quarterback, I'm getting some hate for my Jonathan Vilma take, but one of the people that didn't like Jonathan Vilma was Paul Spencer, so I'm pretty sure I'm right. If if Paul didn't like Vilma, I'm right. Vilma was great. Uh, Anthony, a, a lot of the conversation has been, well, listen, Deshaun Watson could come in here and be great, but unless his defense is stepping up, that's that's who's been losing football games for the Browns, and you can't argue against that, but if Deshaun Watson is an elite-level quarterback and he plays at that level, which means the offense then starts to play at that level, that kind of next level. Doesn't that make the job of the defense easier? Because as the offense continues to score points, hopefully, which is what they're going to do, doesn't it make the other team have to change up their game plan as to how they attack your defense? I think yes, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's going to save the Browns. I think what is, what's going to help them is that they're not going to be playing um, from behind so often where teams are going to be able to really attack their, their biggest weakness, which is their stopping the run. Um, you know, teams will have to go into, into more of a, a passing game, which is what the, what the Browns are built to stop is, is the passing game. So um, I think it helps from that perspective, but you know, the, the broader point, which is that like the Browns are sixth in EPA per play on offense and they're 30th in EPA per play on defense. So what needs to improve is the defense Watson is going to, he's going to provide a boost. I think it's <laughs> hard for me to imagine that the boost is going to get them from sixth to first and the defense, if it stays the 30th best defense, um, you know, it, it's, it's still going to be a slog every week to, to, to turn out some wins. Right. I don't think that, you know, if, tag on that. I don't think it's so much. They have to be a great defense. I look at back. I think it was Mahomes. I think it was the year they went to the Super Bowl. They had a terrible defense of the Chiefs. They were yes. winning 45 to 42, 48 to 47. And if 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 Watson can put points on the board, does anybody think they wouldn't have beat the Jets and had more than 31 points in that game? Yeah, they collapsed like crazy, but if they'd had 37, they wouldn't have lost. You'd think they'd have got more than two points in the Chargers game. Do you think they'd in that turf in Atlanta, they'd got another field goal or so? That's all I'm saying is just the difference of a little more offense. It can gloss over the defense's shortcomings, but this is exposed. The defense needs a lot of help. And so that's why I'm saying, I think everybody would say that, even the Browns say, we got to address this defense. But I think the offense putting up more points will help the defense. And they've done it with no takeaways. That's the only thing they did two years ago was take the ball away. They couldn't stop yeah. anybody, but they took the ball away, and then everybody didn't worry about it. That's what I was writing about last week. They didn't have any takeaways yesterday. And uh, that's the difference, you know, really. So, Fred, I'm going to let you get prepared for this because you know, Anthony, it's been a minute since you've been here on the Monday Rewind with us. Fred, I don't know if you've got them sitting there, but you know what I'm talking about, the special the headwear. But we're going to get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. 
Anthony, we like to end the Monday Rewind as we come to our last couple minutes here with something positive. And here's what I want to end with. Cleveland Browns were three and seven. They win against the Buccaneers. They're four and seven. What can they do to be that team? And there does feel like there's a team kind of like this every year that just fell out of it at one point, but then they went on a run and all of a sudden they're a playoff team. And all they talk about in that playoff game is that team was out of it. (laughs) Poor Fred. I made him go get that. Uh, All people are talking about is, man, that team was out of it, but they miraculously came back in and they made the playoffs and all that. Man, it feels like that's sitting there for the Browns if they can go out and play well. So so come on, give us your sales pitch, Anthony. What do the Browns do? How do they become that team that finishes this season 10 and 7 and, so, and, and makes the postseason? Yeah, the the universe does exist where the Browns make the playoffs. It's it's like one out of every 20 universes, right? So so it's not even crazy to say they make the playoffs. Like it's not, it's not that far-fetched. It's a it's a big dark horse, but you know, it's not impossible. I think the universe where they make the playoffs is um, Deshaun Watson is lights out. He's as good as anticipated. Um, you know, you 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 see a, a big jump up in, in performance from uh, Njoku, Cooper, Peoples-Jones. The pass game really gets going. Um, but I, I think the big thing that has to come with that is the defensive secondary needs to play like, you know, like they've paid and invested in those players. You know, it, it needs to be – a second half of the season where Denzel Ward is lights out, you know, the way he was in his first three years, he's a really consistent player. Um, you know, before first four years, I should say four years. Yeah, right. Um, but, and then, you know, you need great play from John Johnson. Um, and then, you know, whenever Newsom comes back, you hope to get uh, excellent effort out of him and then they all need to stay healthy. I think that's, that's the world where they make it is the passing game on offense really kicks up. Um, it's it's been good it, it needs to be great and then the pass defense needs to take a huge step forward right away all right fred fred make us all feel good to end the show i know i know what you do oh let's go i'm gonna shut up well, go ahead fred here's where you know you got because every you know you played the afc east you lost every one of them and so now you lose the tiebreaker to all those you look at that and you're a couple games behind all them, so you're only two and a half. So I still think it's through the division. You got six games to go. You're three games out. You can control one of them with Bengals and the Ravens. I think you're going to have to go five and one in the division. And I think then if the Ravens and Bengals can lose two games somewhere between now and the end of the year, you win the tiebreakers and you win. It's a slight path to the playoffs. but. A loss yesterday, there was no path. And so I think that Deshaun Watson's going to, you know, he's going to leave you hanging at the end of the year. And everybody's going to say, if they don't make the playoffs, it's because of that stupid Jets game or any of those games, but especially the Jets game. So I'm going to say that we're going to go on a ride here and a run and everybody's going to get wound up and excited and anything can happen. So hang on. It could be a fun ride here in the next six weeks. Hang on, indeed. Fred's got the shades on. The comments are going ballistic for you, Fred. And and shades at the end, especially after a win. We haven't experienced shades after a win yet, <laughs> but shades after a win, and I love what you said, Fred. The, they have Thanks. a path. If they lose that game to the Bucks, they have no path. 
But now they beat the Bucks. They have a path. And this schedule, there's some tough ones. You, you're going to have to beat Baltimore and Cincinnati. Washington is playing out of their minds right now. So you got some tough games you're going to have to play. But this schedule looks kind of favorable for those Cleveland Browns. If that defense can get it together, Anthony, I love what you said about that. Secondary's got to be good. John Johnson's got to be great. Martin Emerson's got to be what he has been, which is great. But then add him to those other guys, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. Now you got three really good cornerbacks. You got to love that. Grant Delpit's playing hard. JOK's playing. He had a great game yesterday. You get those guys playing great, and you get an offense performing on an elite level. I think, Fred, you were so astute about what the Kansas City Chiefs did before. You get the defense playing just okay, and you get this offense going on an elite level, and they're going to be really hard to beat. And I think we could get there. Boys, the Deshaun Watson era has begun. The Jacoby Brissett era is done in Cleveland. And I don't mean this in a bad way. So I mean this in terms of health. Hopefully the, uh, the Jacoby Brissett era is done in Cleveland. And that's nothing against Jacoby. That just means I hope everybody stays healthy from here on out. The Cleveland Browns and their new franchise quarterback, they kick it in gear Sunday, 1 o'clock against the Houston Texans. Let me run it down what we're going to do for you on the OB, OBR before we get out of here tonight. On the OBR this week, tomorrow, Jake Burns is going to look back at this game and he's going to have chalk talk at 7 p.m. You're going to see the clips, the film. He's got some really cool things that he's breaking down for chalk talk. Do not miss that tomorrow at 7. Tomorrow at 9, we got uh, the Garage Beers podcast. We're working on a, a Houston Texan special guest that's a really, really good friend of ours, a Mount Union legend from the area who is now the in-game voice of the Houston Texans. Uh, we won't announce it until he confirms, but we're working on that. So hopefully we could get him on with us, but garage beer is going to be a great time tomorrow. Wednesday, we've got the o OBR weekly with Fred and with Barry. I don't know if Fred's bringing the glasses. He might bring the glasses. Barry might bring the glasses just so he can see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but OBR weekly Wednesday, 7 PM with Fred and Barry. And then the weekend kickoff, with Cody and with Andrew on Thursday at 7 p.m. where they really dive into this weekend and look at this matchup against the Houston Texans. You don't want to miss that. And it all leads up to noon on Sunday. It's the OBR pregame show against for the Browns against the Texans. We will break down the matchup. We'll preview what's going on with Deshaun Watson, the offense, the defense, and everything. And then immediately following the game, we'll break down the game with the OBR postgame show. It's all coming up this week on the OBR. And make sure you are tuned in to the OBR's website where you can catch all the best writing about the Browns from guys like my two co-hosts here tonight, Fred and Anthony. Uh, they break it all down with some of the best writing that you're going to get out there on the OBR's website. Make sure you are following there and grab yourself a hat because they're really nice hats or a sweatshirt like Fred's wearing. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the Monday Rewind. This has been an awesome, awesome show. The Cleveland Browns defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime. Tom Brady's not getting a win here in Cleveland this year. He goes out of here with a loss, and the Cleveland Browns' hopes are still alive. Fred's got the hope shades on. The future's so bright, he's got to wear shades. Go follow Fred on Twitter, at Fred Greenham 9 Go follow Anthony Reinhardt on Twitter, at Reinhardt NFL. I am Michael Keefe, at Garage Beers Mike. Follow the OBR, at the OBR, and we will see you again after next Sunday's game. We'll see you for the Monday Rewind. Until then, cheers and go Browns, everybody. See ya. Thanks.